all day. Some would say it's from pagan times. And some would say it bears the blood of Christ. I get the same drink, it comes to Mary Lloyd. You better pour some drinks, it comes to Mary Lloyd. Prepare some rums and time, it comes to Mary Lloyd. You better sell some food. Welcome to the Weird Christmas Podcast. I'm Craig Kringle. I'm a little late this year. I apologize. See, thing is, I don't know, man. I've just been busy as Krampus in 1943. I have not forgotten you fine, upstanding people, however. Not at all. I will have at least four episodes for this year. Hopefully more, but I shall no longer promise productivity as a way to fool myself into feeling obliged to do more than I know I actually can. But you can be damn sure my Christmas season will last until Epiphany this year, just like last year, because I need the space. But, yeah, so how you been? I know you can't answer me, because it's a rhetorical thing to express awkwardness and why am I explaining myself, when what I really want to say is that I'm sorry I'm late. I really appreciate all the kind people who emailed or DM'd me asking if I was sick or dead or never doing the show again. But if you're following the cards, you know I'm not dead, though I have tested out the length of the Tumblr queue before, and I know I got it up to a couple thousand cards one time, I think, so if I really did die, you might not know for half a year or so. But speaking of dying things, I do have one little bit of business to take care of. In the last couple of years, I've advertised my Patreon account. And if you join my Patreon, you know that I'm a horrible updater over there. In fact, all I've done lately there is apologize for not posting things. So so I'm going to shut it down. The few kind people still there who've told me that they just see it as a way to be generous, I love you all dearly. And I have one more big gift for everyone, but I can't keep that thing going any longer in good conscience. So now that everyone there has helped me one last time to fund the contest prizes, it's time to turn it off. If you never got around to listening to the extra episodes there, now would be a great time, since it's all about to go bye-bye. That means, though, that I'll need a different way to fund the contest. And luckily, I've already been online begging for folk to feel generous and donate to my Ko-Fi coffee, I think coffee, but it looks more like Ko-Fi account, ko-fi.com slash weirdchristmas. So if you listen to the show or follow the cards or enjoy the contest, coffee, coffee, I'll decide at some point, is a great way to give whatever you can. A dollar? Five dollars? Hell, twenty dollars or even more. And if you give a ridiculous amount, I've got a present already lined up. I won't define ridiculous and I won't give any hints on the present because I don't want anyone to be so overwhelmed with my own generosity or underwhelmed. Point is, if, if, if you can spare a little cash at this time of year when I know we're all strapped and everybody's asking for generosity, it'll really help me keep the prizes at the contest big. And if you give once or twice a year, or even go nuts and create a recurring donation on Ko-Fi, which they let you do, then I can make the prizes even bigger. And who knows, maybe one day I'll get around to putting some merch together. Weird Christmas ornaments and postcards certainly seem on brand or appropriate, but maybe I'll get a t-shirt idea together. That's good enough. But for now, Ko-Fi donations would be so, so, so appreciated. And a huge thank you to the folk who already have given. And with that out of the way, it's time to get our folklore dump of the season with the good Benito Sereno. This year, we decided to chat about dead horse skulls. That's right, dead horse skulls stuck on the end of sticks with a sheet thrown over them and paraded through whales all throughout this time of year. 
Now, by this point, the true fans of the show will know we're talking about the Mari Lewid. And if you didn't know what we're talking about, I've just insulted you and I apologize. But we decided to go with what I think is one of the last most common Christmas creatures we haven't talked about. We've done Krampus now and the Yule Lads, the Perkton, and even La Bafana and Christmas Witches. But the Mari Lewid shows up quite a bit if you see any of those buzzword-type lists of Christmas cryptids and monsters and characters. It looks pretty freaky, to be honest, and not at all Christmassy, unless you always kind of vibed with the more skeletal versions of the Ghost of Christmas Future. So it seemed like a good one to explore, so that from here on out, everything else will be really deep tracks, kind of like the werewolves were. But it also ended up being something that opened up a whole lot of windows and doors to me of just how similar a lot of Christmas traditions really are around the world. You kind of go through this learning curve that when you first learn about Krampus and the other non-Santa figures, you realize that not everyone does the same thing. Then things start to come full circle when you see a similar kind of structure to Christmas celebrations, whether you're talking about Santa or Krampus or Connect Ruprecht. And as you'll see, we'll get there too with the Mari Lewid. And in case you're new and don't know Benito, he's a writer and a comics writer. In fact, you know the tick. Yeah, he wrote for that one. And most importantly, Christmas history specialist, as well as an expert in ancient languages and other geeky languages things, as you'll see. And he shows that off in his other podcast called Apocrypals, whereas he and his co-host say two non-believers read through the Bible while trying not to be jerks about it. He's also on a podcast all about the whole Chucky series, because why be scriptural all the time? Anyway, like me, he's a man of many obsessions. I mean, like me, I'm all Christmassy, but I have another show called Rereading Wolf that's all about the genre writer Gene Wolfe. And you don't know Gene Wolfe? Well, don't listen to my other show because it's all about rereading Wolfe. See, like the second or the seventh time around. I also know a lot about Spencer and Heidegger and Derrida and lately the history of Japanese alphabets, but this got out of hand. So enough throat clearing and introducing. Let's finally get the first episode of the season started. I guess the place we should start, though, is how to pronounce it, because it's Welsh. Okay. So, yeah. Mari Lewid. Mari Lewid. Mari Lewid. Mari Lewid. Yeah. In Welsh, um, a W, when it's used like a vowel, is an oo mm-hmm. sound, and uh, Y is usually like an I. So, yeah. Lewid. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, although in Welsh, they usually include the definite article, which is just the letter Y. So they would call it Ivari Lewid. Okay. Because of insular Celtic languages and their initial consonantal mutations. I don't know if we want to get into that. Um, but uh, I want to, I'm curious, like, uh, but that's, I don't know if how long we can have everyone else listen. Well, it, in languages like Welsh and uh, Gaelic, after certain words like the definite article, the initial consonant, the first consonant of a, of a word is usually softened. And so in this case, the M changes into what's spelled like spelled with an F pronounced like a V. So if gotcha. Avari, Avari Lewid, um, but in English, Mari Lewid is get you there. So what does it actually mean? The name, like where'd it come from? Nobody really knows exactly. Um, the best argument is that it means the gray mare uh, mm-hmm. with Mari being basically borrowed from the English word mare. And, 
well, I think the traditional Welsh word for gray is huid. I don't really speak Welsh and I apologize to any Welsh person who is hearing me say these things wrong, but I'm doing my best. But the, dub- <laughs> the double L that you see in Welsh words and names like Llewellyn is supposed to be a lateral unvoiced fricative. So like you put your tongue to your teeth and breathe out the sides like <laughs> like yeah. that. Yeah. So I think it's supposed to be cuid. I don't, I don't do it right. Uh, I remember when I was trying to learn some Welsh just yeah, because my degree was all about Great Britain. I figured I should learn a little bit <laughs> more sure. than nothing that I knew. And yeah, that I always had it wrong because I'd always make a, like almost a gluh, like a uh, GL sound. Yeah. And the one Welsh professor who I had, he would just get frustrated beyond belief. He'd be like, <laughs> yeah, it's not that. It's not that at all. <laughs> I've I've been getting more into Welsh stuff uh in connection to my the King Arthur thing I've got going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like obviously uh Welsh stuff is coming up in that, but also I've been uh reading through the Mabinogian and that kind of stuff. And so I'm I'm picking up a little bit more info about Welsh uh language and in in general the like old Brythonic languages, uh just because uh that's the period of time I'm on this King Arthur thing I'm working yeah, on. Yeah, that's really uh, cool. So cool. So so Welsh is weird. We got that. Um, it's then. not, but the thing is, it's it's weird because the like the spelling is different than ours, but it's more consistent than ours. Right. And so right. if you learn the system, I think it, it's actually much easier. It's weird just because we see the letters, we think they're English, and then they yeah, exactly, pronounce exactly. other ways. Yeah, yeah, which is which I feel like is true of so many other languages that you know, use the Latin alphabet. And if we look at them and we go, ah, oh, that, what a weird jumble of letters. Right. And it's like, well, they say the letters a little bit different. So it's, it's not as weird when yeah. you, when you oh, yeah. hear them say it. Yeah. We spell laugh in a way yeah. that most people would find strange. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. E- English has no leg to stand on when it right. comes to, uh, you know, languages having weird uh, orthography. So, yes, indeed. Um, yeah. So, so we have a, we have a skull of a horse that gets dressed up. Yeah, yeah. The gray mare or, which I guess I didn't say the other, the alternative theory is that it means uh, Virgin Mary. That So a different kind of uh, okay. Ma- gotcha. Mary. Be- and that, I guess, or Holy Mary, I guess. And that's supposed to be the tie to the Christmas season, I get uh, potentially. But uh, yeah, so what you have is a horse skull. And we'll, later we can talk about some variations, but for the the Mari Lewis specifically, it's usually a real horse skull, mm-hmm. right? But although you could have a, a paper mache one or a wooden one or whatever, but typically it's a, it's a real one attached to a stick. It's a type of, it's a type of figure called a hobby horse, not to, not to be confused with the toy, the hobby horse, mm-hmm. but a traditional like festival f- figure of a hobby horse mm-hmm. of which there are many variations but this is this is a mast style hobby horse which is to say one where the person inhabiting the role of the mari lewid is the horse under a sheet that's attached to the back of the skull they carry the stick or the mast right under the sheet and then you have other decorations usually ribbons bells uh usually pieces of glass or i've seen even christmas ornaments or whatever as eyes and then a lot of especially modern versions, the jaws are set up so that they can clack, right? There'll be a, mm-hmm. some kind of string or something um, to make the jaws 
uh, open and shut. Yeah, that's that's the figure. That's Samari Lewitt. It's a horse skull on a pole covered in a sheet or some kind of cloth. And then, yeah, various decorations to be more seasonal. It's unique in that that, you know, obviously you don't usually just see a skull running around at Christmas time, but it is similar to the way that the St. Nicholas traditions often started because, right, it was part of a sort of procession through a town. Yeah. But the actual ritual um, in which it would go through was similar to a kind of door-to-door thing, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And so the thing is, like, the Mari Lewitt, I, I, you know, part of the reason we want to talk about it this year cause, is because I feel like recently it's gotten a lot more... Uh, you see it, I, I personally see it being posted more on social media, people talking about mm-hmm. it on Twitter, people doing art of it on Instagram or or wherever, right? Oh, yeah. And, and so I feel like in the last year or two, I've been seeing more people catching on to the Mari Lewitt, right? Right. And yeah, so there's that, like that, that crest of the wave of sort of weird folklore things. It's like Krampus has already gone through that, right? Yeah. And everybody yeah. knows Krampus. And it's they're little things like the Yule lads were kind of there for a while. And yeah. I feel like yeah. Mari Lewitt is starting to get a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel I feel like you and I in doing this show have tried to stay on top of that wave, right? We did the Yule lads right when the Yule lads were on the Sabrina That's right. show. That's right. And, and uh, you know, we're doing the Mari Lewitt right when the Mari Lewitt was on Bob's Burgers. Exactly. exactly. But not and- in, not in a Christmas context, though. They just. Uh, oh, okay. On, I, ass- on- I just assumed it was. I have to. I didn't actually see the episode. <laughs> oh, it's it's the it's their Halloween episode. Oh, but, okay. But it's but it's played up in a folk horror kind of way, right? Very the, cool. Um, the kids go on a, a field trip to. Um, it's an like an orchard, and while they're there, they come across stuff that's v- intentional Wicker Man and Midsummer references, and there are people dressed like Mari Lewitt running around, gotcha. which it's cool. never called by name. And it's again, not a Christmas context, but that's okay. Because again, like I said, there are tons of hobby horse traditions across mm-hmm. Europe and they're not all associated with Christmas. A lot of them are, but a lot of them are more associated with May day, like in the wicker man, speaking of the wicker man, right? There's the guy on the hobby horse. So that's, there you go. Yeah. As I said, there's variant forms of a hobby horse. So not the masked style, but the tourney style, the one where it looks like, where it's a guy wearing a thing to make it look like he's riding a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, he's basically in the middle of a, a table with a horse head sticking off the, mm-hmm. the front. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so uh, yeah, that those kind of things might be associated with May day um, or Christmas. And, you know, Mari Lude's another one of those things where in the last, you know, in the last century or so people have tried to be like, Ooh, this strange tradition has its origins in Europe's pre-Christian past, you know, like they do with Krampus Mm -hmm. and they do with uh, whatever. And the, and it's usually like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It is a thing we started doing uh, in the early modern period. And uh, during fully Christian times, the earliest record we have of the Mari Lewitt is like from the 1700s or, you know, and it comes out of the Renaissance uh, like trend of using hobby horses for f- parades and stuff. Yeah. So like, yeah. and so, you know, why do we have a hobby horse at Christmas? Well, just cause hobby horses are fun things to have at a party. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, yeah. And, and like I was saying, you know, Mari Lewitt is the one that has become popular that gets the attention on social media, but you know, even just, the United Kingdom 
has several variations on the Mari Lewid. Many of them also used at Christmas, right? There's, um, let's see, uh, the Larvon, that's Irish, but that name means white horse, probably a very similar, a similar thing. I don't know that the, I don't know that the Larvon is necessarily a Christmas one, but, um, let me see, hold on. I've got a, I've got a list here. And I do know there's another one that I forget what it's called, but it's, it's a common, it's a dead horse or a ghost horse that is a common Celtic. Yeah. Let's see. I I, I have a list of hobby horses here and I'm going to look at the ones that specifically are tied with Christmas. So the old horse also called the, the old oss or the poor (laughs) old oss in Nottinghamshire, Derbyshire, uh, Sheffield, Christmas and new year custom. So go, this is a mass type like the, like the Mari Lewid going around um, and they still do it in uh, Richmond, Yorkshire at Christmas. Um, a, a Cornish one. Uh, yeah. In Cornwall, they have um, hobby horses that they call the Uden horse, like, or the, Uden, the Udening, but it's spelled with an H, but you don't say the H because mm-hmm. it's, it's hood there. It's people in hooded uh, costumes. Gotcha. Um, so the, the pin gloss uh, which I think means gray head pin, like in pin dragon, the dragon's head, uh, master style, style horse with the skull carved from wood or made from a real horse's skull. Um, and goes along with Christmas geysers, geysers, G U I S E R, um, being another wassailing tradition. Mm-hmm. We, we, we'll, we, I guess we should, we'll eventually get into a whole thing about how Mari Lewitt is primarily a wassailing tradition and what that means. That's but. cool. And, that surprised me at first, but it shouldn't like, like, yeah, I think it's because if you just go look it up, then everything is like, it's a Welsh tradition, specifically Welsh, but like so many of these things, they might seem like they're originated in one place, but they're actually different versions that have already moved all over. And the quote unquote original one may have already been something that spread from other areas. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. 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 So like we've, as a society online we've latched onto the mari lewid which you know yeah is welsh but even then is more regional than that like it's specifically southeastern welsh it's like specifically from glamorgan in southeastern wales and then yeah but then there are these other different variations the some hobby horse figures some of which are associated with christmas aren't even horses right there's a old tup which i know is in uh darby they also call it the darby ram do you know that story do you know that song uh i the, don't think i do so so there's an old ballad called the darby ram and it's a it's a song about an enormous ram it's supposed to be like 10 stories high or whatever mm-hmm. and they slaughter the ram and the blood from it floods the town oh wow <laughs> Now the butcher has stuck this ram, sir, was up to his neck in blood. And the boy what carried the basin, hey, were washed away in the flood. And indeed, sir, it's true, sir, I never was given to lie. And if you'd have been to Derby, you'd have seen him the same as I. Now all the young maids of Derby come begging for his ears to make them leather aprons for to last them forty years. And all the young lads of Derby come begging for his eyes to kick around the streets me lads for I was football size and indeed anyway so that song has become associated with Derby and Derbyshire and so they have a hobby horse except it's a ram that they call Old Tup or the Old Derby Ram and that's also at Christmas 
looks like Newfoundland in Canada has a Christmas bowl that's also a similar thing accompanied by mummers and such. Hmm. And of course, in Germany, they have many similar figures that are goats. I was going to uh, say, yep, you definitely got the yeah, so Scandinavian the, goat. Yeah, that's yeah, there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I do want, I want to, I will want to loop back around to that when we talk about Wassel stuff. Cool. But, um, but like specifically, the one I think of is the Habergeist, which is Al Ridenauer's favorite. Uh, I always say, find you someone who loves you the way Al Ridenauer loves the Habergeist. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, um, Habergeist in different regions called the Schnabelgeist, uh, the Schnabwe in South Tyrol, and the Klapperbach, which I think is in northern Germany, like near uh, Pomerania. Uh, these are all like, yeah, similar things, goats instead of horses, but it's a person under a sheet activating a snapping jaw, right? That's why it's, mm-hmm. uh, the klopperbach refers to the clacking sound of the jaws. The schnapp, schnappvi means, uh, like the snapping, a snapping beast, I think. Um, whereas the other one, the geis is from a regional word for a female goat. Schnabel is, uh, beak. So a beak goat, and then the Habergeist is an, is an oat goat because it's related somehow to harvest traditions. Um, so yeah, so Germany's got these very similar figures. The Schimmel Rider also is a common one, but that's a tourney style hobby horse. So it's it look so you have a rider on a horse usually, yeah. sometimes with just their head poking out from like the sheet. But Schimmel Rider means a guy a person riding a white horse. Um, and so it might be tied in with uh, St. Martin, Martin mistraditions, right? St. Martin rides in on a white mm, horse. White horse. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my, I guess my, my point is it's not a unique character, right? It's right. another thing like, like people latched onto Krampus and they go, he's Krampus is a, is a German Christmas character. And it's like, well, kinda, it's more Austrian than German. Yeah. And not really and Christmas. It's St. Nicholas day. And also, most people in Germany don't know what you're talking about. Right. Right. Um, and there are other versions and there are all other places versions. that There's, start to bleed into exactly. other things. And exactly. Yeah. You have, you have Klaubaufs and you have Klaus and, and, uh, and then of course, and even the people who do use, uh, do, do Krampus runs and such don't call him Krampus. They call him the Teufel or, uh, Bartle or whatever mm. they use different they use diff- different terminology so it's a similar kind of thing right where it's like we've latched onto this one version and we just go this is the welsh thing and it's like well kind of but then there's also all these variations um that are very similar also at christmas and yeah again what's the origin of it people think people dress like horses is funny and cool and yeah. i think i think that's it right yeah right but there was at least in terms of the sort of like celebration or or festival or carnival side of it that's where the wassailing tradition actually comes yeah, from. That it's, yeah yeah it's part of a certain kind of celebration and or tradition yeah. that would come at yeah time. for sure so maybe we should talk about like yeah what that what that yeah was. We'll, we'll talk about wassailing and we should also of course i think talk about specifically the how the mari lewitt tradition is done because that part is interesting but yeah um across europe and elsewhere you've got wassailing traditions which have largely been I feel generally displaced by just basic caroling, which for all I know mm-hmm. is do people still 
Christmas Carol. Like, I feel like it's considered rude to just go to people's houses. <laughs> they do in Hallmark movies, I think. Yeah. As far <laughs> as in real life, I don't know. I, I feel like t- these days you can't knock on someone's door without having texted them first. And that I think that some <laughs> of the magic is gone. And you certainly couldn't go to a stranger's house in Carol. Right. I feel right. like um, at this point you would just, you'd sing to someone through their ring camera or whatever. <laughs> but um but yeah, wassailing is a tradition. It goes back to, you know, at least the Middle Ages where uh, groups of merrymakers go door to door. And usually they sing. They have the wassail bowl, right? A big bowl full of usually made from apple cider. Often there's uh, beer or something included as well. And, you know, they'll sing a song. You can have a sip from the wassail bowl mm-hmm. and it... Uh, you give them a gift of food or money or something. And in exchange, they say, bless you. Right. We, yep. um, it's similar to, you know, we wish you a Merry Christmas, that kind of thing. Right. Bring yep. us the figgy pudding. Or if you know, here we come a wassailing, right. We're not, we're not daily beggars. We're your friendly neighbors. Yep. And, and so on. Right. So there, there are several, you know, specific, kind of wassailing tradition and it's and again wassailing is not always just at christmas right because you've got a similar tradition um for all souls day right souling it's called mm-hmm. uh and you get a soul cake i don't know if you know that song uh that's a traditional not the uh, song, song no uh-uh. um it's a traditional folk song that i think the probably the best known version is um uh peter paul and mary did one uh i think it's called i think the song is called a souling is, is the or a soulin? Gotcha. Soul, a soul, a soul cake. Please, goodness, is a soul cake. An apple, a pear, a plum, a cherry. Any good thing to make us all merry. One for me, two for Paul, three for him who made us all. But a uh, similar kind of thing, right? Which, and some people think that souling is the origin of trick or treating, which maybe because you know, soul, All Souls Day is October, uh, November. Second, yeah, right, right after, right after when Halloween would be today, yeah, and um, wassailing and the whole even caroling tradition is yeah, it's very it's, trick or treat, it's very similar yeah. trick or treating, right? Because you go you go door to door, you do a little, you do a little song and dance, mm-hmm. and then hopefully you get uh, you get money or food or something, right? Or so something. there's all sorts of wassailing traditions. Uh, Russia has kolyada. There's the there's mummers in England, which is another kind of revival tradition. Uh, that's a little more intricate because mummers have a whole a whole play and not just like a song that they do, right? They have yep. multiple characters, and although if, you know it's it's stock characters that fit a stock plot, right? Where it's usually like uh, Saint George fights a dragon and gets killed, and then the doctor revives him. But then you'll have people as farcical topical jokes right so it'll be like the characters this year are saint george the dragon the doctor father christmas and donald trump this year (laughs) um and you know they speak in rhyme and whatever yeah but again you go from place to place you do your performance you get your food or money um slovakia has i'm definitely going to say this wrong uh yashlichkari that's their version of wassling. And then there are uh star singer Sternzinger, which is a, that's epiphany and that's common in Germany and much of central Europe. That's uh where you, you dress as the three Kings, you carry a big star, you go door to door and you, and you carol 
They, yep. uh, there's Martinmas carolers that are sim- very similar for, uh, you know, Martinmas and November 11th, you go around, carry your paper lanterns and you do it, you do a trick and you get a treat. Yep. Um, and just to beat my own dead horse, I know I talk about the dead bird cards that were popular yeah. and I've got the, my whole theory that it comes from Renday, oh, which uh, is another kind of version where they, it is. they go kill a bird and supposedly you know sometimes they make up a bird um, that's supposed to be like the king of the wrens but then they parade it around and do the same kind of thing you sing the wren song and you ask for donations or or Mm -hmm. drinks or food but yeah Yeah, similar kind of thing and yeah and that's december 26th so like right in right in the season so mari lewid specifically as a wassailing tradition mari lewid as i have in my notes here is not a solo figure mari lewid has a posse. And this is the part that you don't usually hear about at all. Like yeah, usually I, you just see the horse cause it's cool looking, but yeah, you, you see, you see the horse, but the horse, that's a, that's a dude under a sheet walking at night. Cause Mari Lewitt happens at night. And so it's dark and you got a guy under a sheet. You need a person to guide the Mari Lewitt. And so <laughs> just like the Disney characters, you can't see where they're going. <laughs> that's they that's their, right. They exactly. have their handler. Yep. That's right. And so they're, the group will have a leader who might be dressed up kind of fancy, like look like a, a mayor. He might have a top hat and a sash or like a rosette style, you know, ribbon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the leader's job is both to literally lead the Marluid where they're going, but also to do the talking. Uh, and uh, then you have the merry man whose job is to play music and entertain and tell jokes and that kind of stuff. And then uh, you might also have Punch and Judy present, not as puppets as they traditionally are, but as people dressed as Punch and Judy, usually traditionally uh, both men um, Mm -hmm. with um, like blackened faces, which is common with these, not blackface, but blackened faces, Mm -hmm. which is common in these kind of traditional uh, things. And usually... And they're uh, the slapstick. They're the the slapstick. They're out there, yeah. A punch has usually a um, a fireplace poker and uh, Judy has a broom. And so this group, and there might be others. I've definitely seen pictures where there's like, they're accompanied by a whole suite of like Morris dancers or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily this group, but I would say the traditional group is the mayor, the leader, the merryman, punch and Judy, and then maybe some other attendants, who knows, but those would be the key ones. Cool. And, and they go house to house. And when they knock on the door, they initiate what they call a punko, which is P-W-N-C-O. So again, apologize if I said it wrong. But, um, and what that is, is I've seen it and I myself have personally characterized it as a rap battle between the <laughs> horse and the homeowner, which is not exactly right, but they go back and forth with stanzas of rhymes or songs with the horse challenging, let us in and the homeowner saying no way. And then they go back and forth until one of them runs out of rhymes basically, which is always going to be the homeowner. Right. Right. And so, but this is also cool. Like this, this yeah. is the part where it's way more fun to me that if, if you have that kind of, interaction you you like prepare for it you know you like got to write out your little things or you just try to remember what your dad said you know a long exactly. time ago yeah for um, sure. like that's where it gets kind of fun because you can actually 
participate rather than just sort of like have them come in and scare your kids or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then, yeah, when, and then they come in and it's very similar to a traditional Krampus uh, house bazook, house, the house visit, right? That, that Al Ridenauer talks about how in areas that really do the Krampus, like the main thing is not the parade. The main thing is the groups of uh, Krampus and yeah. St. Nicholas yeah. coming to your house yeah. and they, and they do a they do a bit. Right. And so this is, this is that bit. They come into your house. The leader says some things. The merry men plays some music. The mayor goes around snapping its jaws at the kids and scaring them. Judy takes her broom and like, acts as if the house is really dirty and sweeps <laughs> and sweeps everything. And then uh punch being a dick will take his poker and actually like scrape the ashes out of your fire or whatever onto the floor. <laughs> um, yeah. And they do those kind of things. And then, you know, theoretically you give them something and then they leave and they move on to the next house. Yep. And um, yeah, a very similar wassailing tradition in Scandinavia. I mentioned uh, the Yule Bach or Yule Bucking. A uh, very similar kind of thing, except instead of uh, a, a mare, it's a goat, right? The Yule Bach is the is the Yule goat. They they definitely do still do this tradition. I don't know if they necessarily have a goat with them all the time, but it would be a group of people in costumes of some kind, and they go door to door, and the people they visit are supposed to guess who they are in their costumes. That's that's part of the the thing. Oh, that's so cool. that's so another very similar um, wassailing tradition. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's about it. Right. So you got the Mari Lewid, this, uh, this hobby horse, which is a common festival time thing throughout Europe, uh, that has this little troop of other characters. Yes. Yeah, similar to mumming and then similar to other wassling traditions goes door to door, does a little rhyme, comes inside, does a little bit, gets some food and it goes on and it's fun. It's Christmas time. And it's, it's again, yeah. like regionally, when does it happen? Anytime between Christmas and epiphany, right? Sometime in the 12 days and it might happen multiple days. It might not just be one night. They might do it a couple nights in a row or whatever. And it could be Christmas. It could be new year's. It could be epiphany Eve or, or whatever, anywhere in those 12 nights. Yeah. One thing that's interesting about this one to me is that all the other figures like Krampus or connect Ruprecht or all these other characters that come up, there are a lot of times folklorists have tried to come up with stories or connect them to stories that actually have some kind of legend um, connected to them. I have never really seen one for the Mary Lewis that, that is like trying, I've seen, I've, I've seen people try to say, Oh yeah, it's definitely connected to, you know, X or Y random story or something like that. But this one seems very much at least from what I read be taken as just, no, it's just part of this celebration. It's not one that's, you know, got a secret yeah, history yeah, yeah. that goes like, back to, to something else. Right. Like aside from like historians and, and uh, other scholars, anthropologists and stuff trying to, trying to, I guess, sociologists, I guess, but uh, other than them trying to connect it to, to pre-Christian traditions and saying, Oh, the horse is a symbol of fertility or whatever, which has largely been abandoned in favor of just going people like horse costumes yeah. as is uh, I don't know personally of like, yeah, I don't think there's lore for the Mario 
<laughs> you know, there's not like there's not like mm-hmm. a secret origin, which makes it difficult for me as a person who tries to create this cohesive thing based on as much authentic lore as possible. The fact that I know I'm going to have to write about the Mari Lewitt and explain what it is and where it came from. And that information doesn't exist. No, I was even trying to think, like you mentioned that the, the Mari could be a corruption or a change from Mary. Yeah. Is suggestive, but it seems really weird though, that you have not only just a horse, but a horse's skull end up with that like that that's a strong reach of yeah, sort of symbolic yeah. associations yeah <laughs> you, you'd have to go through a lot of stuff before you could sure. really make it, that change but i i think what makes it so weird is obviously that it it's a skull right um and i but but i often wonder too like is the skull used because it's easily attainable and yes. it, it, it looks My, like the horse exactly than, yeah. exactly because I, I was i was thinking about it i'm like why is it a skull and it's like well because a horse's skull at that time would probably be the easiest thing that you could get that looked like a horse. Like a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Like without having to make something. Yeah. It's got the natural clacking too, which yeah. to me, the, the clacking is always the scariest thing. Like I, I still remember some old, I can't even remember what it was, but just some old Halloween show where they just made a skull's jaw clack. Like, mm-hmm. And it just freaked me out beyond belief of just this like, you know, bone noise or something was odd, but then to see like a horse do it anyway, it's all creepy, but I don't think the point was ever really to be creepy. It was, no, I, I think, I think in horse. modern times we, we have a, we have like a, a different emotional relationship to bones than people mm-hmm. did in previous centuries. Oh yeah. 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 We don't see them, right. We don't see bones naturally, yeah. but yeah. If, yeah. if you're in small villages, there's butchers, there's dead things, you know, you're going to, it's going to be a little more common. Yeah, for sure. But there are some beautiful ones. Like there are some, some of the costumes and the way that they're dressed up and that the sheet that goes over, like there are some that are literally as simple as a horse's skull sticking out of a sheet. But then there are other ones that have like super decorated ribbons and like layers and layers of, of clothing. But it's cool though, that most of the ones that I think are actually designated as Mary Lewis, they don't ever try to make the body of the horse, right? Like it's become this thing where it's always the head and then draping that just covers the person. Yeah. Like they, they might, they might decorate the sheet and, or put tassels or whatever, but yeah, they don't ever try to make it like a realistic horse body. It always, so it, it does give it kind of that, it gives it an increasingly ghostly character Yeah, because, because it looks like a sheet ghost with a horse head. Yeah, so it's definitely one that I think the weirdness or creepiness of it is much more anachronistic than than what it actually is. Yeah, I th- I think so too. Because and and again, why is it a sheet? Well, because the sheet is easy. It's the easiest way. Yeah. To, yeah. to make it to make it cost because so so many of these traditional figures, you know, Krampus too. Um, like, why do they look like they do? Well, this was the easiest thing that a farmer could find to dress up. Uh, you know, like yeah. why does Krampus wear a shaggy fleece? Well, you see this sheep farmer who wanted to frighten his kids <laughs> had a spare fleece lying around. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, similar kind of thing. I want to make a hobby horse. What do I have? Well, I have a skull, a stick and a sheet. Sounds great. Or, you know, even a burlap sack or whatever. Yeah. Instead of not even yeah. a bed sheet. So yeah, it's, it, it's a design of convenience. That's cool. But yeah, we mentioned it showing up. Um, we mentioned Bob's Burgers. There is a Twitter account that I found that 
uh, or that you found. Shoot, who found it? I think it was <laughs> you. It was, it was you. I'm pretty sure I, it was you. Or somebody sent it to me. I don't think I actually found it. Found it, but um, where yeah, this guy just draws tons of pictures of them. Really cool. And and I've seen more pictures of it. It's hard to know. Uh, of course, I think with a lot of this stuff, unless they really are older pictures, it's hard to know how many of the pictures of the Mary Ludes are really something from an ongoing tradition and yeah. how many are now just trying to to do it themselves. Just like Krampus. I mean, there's a ton yeah, of exactly, examples exactly. now. It's a very similar thing where it experienced a late 20th century revival and yeah. that's, that's continuing to this day. And it's people trying to reconstruct what they think the tr- traditions are, but also generally believing that the tradition is older than it actually mm-hmm. is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you end up with these, you know, well-intentioned, good-natured attempts at reconstructing things with wrong information. But, right. you know, it's all it's all in good fun. So who cares? So it's, do you have any ideas of how you're going to, what the story for it could be? Any um, inklings? I, I don't know. I'll I have to give it some thought. And generally when I have very few um, details to work with, I will look at similar and related figures. So I'll probably, I would probably be looking at anything I could find about other um, hobby horse characters that might have a, a backstory. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll figure it out. Cool. But, um, but yeah. Oh, speaking of artists who ha- I, I will, let me stump for my good friend, Erica yeah, Henderson. Yeah. Erica Henderson has a very cool Mari Lewis t-shirt that you can buy on her. Um, oh, threadless on her threadless store. Um, so if you go to threadless.com slash Erica fails, you can find it. It's super cool. Awesome. I have I have one, and I will be wearing it this holiday season. Very cool. I'll put a link up on the notes. Nice. Soon. And then I was looking online too. There are. I'm not sure how authentic a lot of these are, but the the rap battles, <laughs> the the, <laughs> the rhyme battles, they are. They do have versions of them up there, and and so yeah. you can find a few. Just to see, I think I'll I'll have to throw a recording or two of these in here. Yeah, uh, I was looking on Wikipedia to see what they had. They have a video, um, but it's not the actual rhyme battle. It's more like it's a couple different Mari Lewids together, like dancing as there's like Morris dancers around them and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, there's a there's a um, a poem that I have not read called "The Ballad of the Mari Lewid by Vernon Watkins from 1941. Uh, here's an excerpt. Mari Lewid, Lewid Mari, a sacred thing through the night they carry, betrayed or the living, betrayed the dead, all are confused by a horse's head. Pretty good. Hmm. And uh, there's an artist, Clive Hicks Jenkins, who starting around 2000 did a series of drawings that focus on a metamorphosing horse man as a nightmarish bringer of his father's death. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So uh, obviously, I mean, as a, as a very culturally welsh thing you can see why like welsh artists might pick oh, yeah. up on it as a as an element to use in their work one thing i do like about it is that and this just is more from my sort of personal aesthetic but i mean krampus this there is a sort of growing desire and 
like celebration of darker stuff at Christmas time. Like it seems like yeah. people are definitely wanting to lean in that direction. I mean, I joke about bringing the ghost story tradition back, but there are a lot of people who are doing that and trying yeah. and not just in Britain, but in, in America too. I think this, so too. I think this is part of that, like part of the reason why you see it coming back more. And it's not going to surprise me at all if people really do, whether or not they actually find old folktale connections between some sort of connection with death and, and the season or whatnot. I, you're definitely going to see more people try to, I think, write stories about it that will, will connect it to, something oh, strange sure. about the season being the the season of where the spiritual world is closer or the veil yeah. between worlds is lesser yeah absolutely yeah i i i think we'll definitely see yeah s- stories and novels tv shows and movies will probably pick up on it eventually there's definitely been a pendulum swing i think where people are getting more increasingly interested in the darker side of christian which I like, obviously, you yeah. know, uh, I'm very into that. And also I'm producing work in that milieu. So mm-hmm. uh, if people are interested in it, uh, hopefully that will benefit me in some way. Because that's what I, it, if if not monetarily, just because that means that there's more work in a vein that I enjoy. Exactly. You know, exactly. so. But that is a natural segue yeah. to say, what else are you doing, Vinero? What's going on right now? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, right now on my Patreon, which I don't think I even had last time I was on the show. Nope, you did um, not. I, I have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash Benito Serino, all one word. Um, and uh, for the Christmas season at the um, $5 and up tier, um, I've been currently, uh, as of this recording, posting daily updates from a draft of uh, my book that I think we've t- talked about on the show before, mm-hmm. um, the Yuletide treasury, which is my kind of, uh, fictional encyclopedia of Christmas lore. And, uh, so I, you know, I, I, I haven't finished the book. I need to, I need to rewrite it basically all over. And so, um, I've kind of just been sitting on this draft and very few people have seen it. You had read it mm-hmm. and some other friends, but like, I thought maybe people would like to see it and stop seeing me talking about it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I've been posting an entry every day and I think it'll about get us up to Christmas. Um, I didn't actually do the math there, but and um, I should say about your Patreon too, unlike I think most people on Patreon, you are incredibly prolific and generous with what you put up there. Like um, not just you. the Christmas things, but you've got your series on the Kings of England there's just a lot of things that you are definitely putting out there and making it worth your time. I mean, yeah, far, far better than I have ever done. I will say, um, <laughs> um, yeah, other stuff I have up there. Yeah. I I've been doing a translation of Jeffrey of Monmouth's, um, history of the Kings of Britain. And I've been post, I post updates multiple times a week, usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but not always. And, uh, yeah, my, my own translation from the Latin with annotations by me. And, uh, so, you know, in your just coming into your inbox a couple times a week, you could get, you know, a couple paragraphs about uh, some weird old king. And it, and I'm I am actually getting into the King Arthur stuff, which is, I, you know, you pitch it as this is the first major major work about King Arthur, mm-hmm. and then he doesn't come in until the end uh, <laughs> because you have to start back with uh, the fall of Troy, um, and so it's like 
1500 years before <laughs> King yeah. Arthur shows up, but I'm smack in the middle of doing the prophecies of Merlin right now. So, um, and that part is extremely weird, but yeah, I'm do, uh, doing that. But I also post uh, comics, articles, podcasts. Yep. I have stuff up there multiple times a week. I, it, I update a lot. So um, I have a $1 tier where basically you just get links to anything I have done that's been, you know, professionally published, like a podcast or an article or whatever. Um, $2 is that plus you get uh, access to PDFs of old books and comics. Uh, $5 is where it's really at. And that's where most people sign up. And that's where you get the King Arthur stuff. You get the Christmas stuff, Halloween stuff. $10. I also post extra things like unpublished comic scripts and commentaries on my run on the tick, uh, comics I drew when I was 10 years old, <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, I would appreciate it. You know, I, I love, I would love to have people support my work that way and oh, yeah. have access to some of this weird stuff. But, uh, yeah, and I, also, I do, I've done it even before he came on the show for this one. I, it wasn't uh, just a way to get you to talk this year. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was falling earlier. So you got that. There's also the, um, Apocrypals. Yeah, Apocalypse is doing its Christmas. Yes, episode. we will have our Christmas episode. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it will be out, but yeah, this year we're doing an extremely weird one. Uh, we're doing kind of an anti-gospel. Um, it is uh, a Jewish story from, uh, well, assembled from across many different centuries, but um, that in the er- in early modern period would be read by um, oppressed Jewish communities as a kind of satirical revenge on the cultural hegemony of Christmas. <laughs> um, it is a, it is a, a satirical life of Jesus where he does not come out looking very good. <laughs> and um, it was traditionally read on uh, Christmas Eve, which they called uh, Nittelnacht in those communities. And so we'll talk both about Nittelnacht traditions as well as looking at that text. And so, yeah, should be a pretty fun one. I think people will like it. Um, yeah, that, so that'll be another big uh, Christmas thing. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to have uh, a brand to debut a brand new Christmas comic this year. Um, oh, cool. So like full length, like 24 page brand new oh, story. Awesome. So uh, I will hopefully have that and that will be on my Patreon as well. Do you have an artist already or somebody working yeah. with you? Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it's it's my boy, CK, who does Sweet. a lot of my Christmas stuff. Yeah, did the Christmas, one, alphabet, the Christmas he, yep, alphabet. He did the, yep, he did the alphabet of Christmas. And also he he's done a couple of my older short ones. Like um, he did the Krampus Knox story about the Krampus uh, it, hunting Nazis during World War II. <laughs> um, he drew the, um, the Baker's Dozen, the one uh, based on the story from uh, Dutch New Amsterdam uh and uh yeah and, and other stuff and so this one is one where yeah it's got uh santa and pete and krampus and mrs claus and uh i try to hit like the main characters because i realized my own personal interests have led me to do when i do a story it's just like little side characters and i'm like i i should do one so people can see all of the main characters in action <laughs> and so uh and so i wrote i wrote this one for that that purpose so everyone can see you know santa and pete teaming up and having an adventure That's and awesome. mrs claus doing stuff as well very cool um so hopefully that'll be out by christmas and i'm still waiting for them to give klaus to you so that <laughs> take that over yeah why not 
it would be it may not exactly be your version of Santa. Right. But I don't know. I I would like it. I would like anything where I make a comic that comes out and I get paid for it. <laughs> cool. Well, cool. All right. So thanks, man. And as always, I'll ask you back next year where we got to figure out what we'll talk about then. But yeah, we'll just um, talk about whatever the hip new Christmas thing is. Absolutely. So if you go to the website and the show notes, I'll have links to all the other shows that Benita has been doing. Um, also, because I still think it's one of the best free online Christmas history things you can get is your YouTube series that you did. Oh, thank which you. is still super, super, super detailed and informative and goes into a whole lot more detail than even we do on here about, about all kinds of aspects of Christmas history. So yep. And really good. There, stuff. there is a little bit in there about Mari Lewin in the episode about the 12 days of Christmas is yeah. in there. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Always a pleasure. Thanks, as always, to Benito, who may be on again later this year to talk about his new vacation habits, which involve going to Europe to tour Christmas markets. Yes, that's a lucky guy. He's actually still there while I'm recording this little bit. So links to Benito's stuff, as well as lots of links to pictures of the Mari Lewis and some recordings of the songs are on the show notes, too. And that bit I played is actually from a BBC recording done back in the 50s. And the whole rhyme game they play takes about 15 minutes. Like, it's really long, really cool. So please check that out. Otherwise, thank you again to all the wonderful patrons on Patreon who helped me out the last few years, and thank you to everyone who's been so generous at Kofi.com this year, ko-fi.com slash weirdchristmas. Remember, you too can be on my nice list by going there. Any gift at all helps pay for the podcast and website hosting and funds the short story contest. And Links are all there at weirdchristmas.com as well. And speaking of the contest, I truly hope to get it up before Christmas, hopefully Christmas Eve. I can guarantee I won't have the ghost story ready before then, but I did put the latest one out back in July. It was a kind of Christmas in July thing, so if you need a new Christmas ghost story, it's only, I guess, one episode back. Uh, But the story contest is finished. I let people know if they're going to be on the show or not, but I haven't named the actual winners. I let people know if they're going to be on the show or not, so check your email if you don't think you've heard from me and send me a note if you haven't. Uh, but I haven't named the actual winners. I always figure that's a good like Christmas Eve or Christmas gift for people, so you'll just have to listen to find out. Speaking of the ghost story, if you'd like to help read it this year and you can do some quick turnaround, please send me a note, weirdxmas at gmail.com. I've still got a few sections people can read. It's weirdxmas at gmail.com. You can email me there too with any other complaints, questions, ideas, recipes, suggestions, jokes, gossips, or, or other bon mots. Just a few other notes for fun. Jim from Christmas Underground has released what always ends up being my favorite Christmas mix of the year, um, as you may recall, since I talked to him about it. So uh, this year's version is called Jolly Chubby Elf. You can check that out at christmasunderground.com. And I got to get that one a plug in here. So there you go, Jim. Oh, and I also forgot to mention that I've actually been on another podcast this year. The real ghost discussion show, not fake ghosts so they say, Ghostly Talk Podcast had me on for their Christmas show. It was a ton of fun. Uh, We talked about all kinds of stuff from ghost stories to monsters to weird Victorian cards, so please check it out. 
hosts Scott and Amber Rose were incredibly gracious and we had a good time there. I was also almost on UK TV, believe it or not. Not the BBC, but Piers Morgan's new channel called Talk TV. I wasn't going to be on Piers Morgan's show itself, which I mean, let's just say I'm glad I, I didn't have to make that decision. But no, apparently someone on the staff of Trudy Gabbard's show, who I admit I didn't know, but uh, she likes my site and thought I'd be a fun guest, which of course I'd be, but they ended up filling the spot, so it didn't happen. Still, Carla, if you're listening, I have a beautiful voice and I have a face and I can be upbeat and energetic for short bursts of time, so keep me in mind. I also finally got off my butt and started taking the cards on the academic circuit, and I presented a paper at a conference on horror and Christmas at the University of Warwick. I was virtual, not actually like in the UK, but my buddy Christopher Filippo, who edited a couple of the Valancourt Book of Christmas Ghost Stories, was presenting at the same conference, which was really cool. So we're both respectable now, scholars, again, or at least he is. I'm still just some guy, but it was very cool. So if someone who found me from that is listening, then hi. And that is the bottom of the stocking. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope it's still been weird without me this year. Check me out on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and even Instagram, searching for Weird Christmas. That's where I post all the strange cards all year long. And otherwise, at least I got this out before the solstice. Barely. And I can finally pass on my annual public service announcement by reminding you, please, don't let Santa stuff you in his bulging, sweaty sack. She knows you're going to let her in She's cunning and conniving and full of gin Even after celebrating around the town She still wants to sit above your Maris will I hear the signals ring, here comes the Mary So anyway, we'll we'll see. I will pull a season out of my ass. And we'll... You can do it. I I have faith in you. 